Brought to you by PrayLatin.com, makers of prayer cards featuring complete English phonetic renderings of Latin pronunciations. Late on Tuesday, a number of the bishops who I will just call here the better bishops, the ones who at least try to defend the faith, penned a letter that was published by the Catholic News Agency and various other mainstream Catholic outlets where they issued a fraternal correction to the German bishops for their destructive German synodal path. They say a number of really good things in this letter. There are some things they leave unsaid. Today for you, I will have the letter in it full. It's not terribly long, as well as my own sort of short analysis of it. We'll go over what is good in the letter in brief, and we'll talk a little bit about what's lacking, because as can be expected, they just don't say some things that need to be said in this letter. So today for you, I have that letter and the analysis I just mentioned. So let's get into this story because it's an important one that will have an impact on the future of the church in the years to come. The letter was published in various mainstream Catholic outlets on Tuesday, including the Catholic News Agency. I have the letter linked in today's show notes at returntotradition.org. That's the name of this podcast with a .org at the end. Skip past the Patreon pop-up and you'll find it there in the post with today's title. When you go to Monday, Thursday events in the church today and Eastertide and Passion Weekend events in the church, please keep these bishops in your prayers. Now, the full text of their short fraternal correction of the bishops of Germany. A fraternal open letter to our brother bishops in Germany, dated the 11th of April, 2022. In an age of rapid global communication, events in one nation inevitably impact ecclesial life elsewhere. Thus, the synodal path process, as it currently pursued by Catholics in Germany, has implications for the church worldwide. This includes the local churches where we pastor and the many faithful Catholics for whom we are responsible. In that light, events in Germany compel us to express our growing concern about the nature of the entire German synodal path process and the content of its various documents. Our comments here are deliberately brief. They warrant, and we strongly encourage, more elaboration. As, for example, Archbishop Samuel Aquila's open letter to the Catholic bishops of the world from individual bishops. Nonetheless, the urgency of our joint remarks is rooted in Romans 12, and especially Paul's caution. Do not be conformed to this world. And their seriousness flows from the confusion that the synodal path has already caused and continues to cause, and the potential for schism in the life of the church that will inevitably result. The need for reform and renewal is as old as the church itself. As its roots, this impulse is admirable and should never be feared. Many of those involved in the synodal path process are doubtless people of outstanding character. Yet Christian history is littered with well-intended efforts that lost their grounding in the word of God, in a faithful encounter with Jesus Christ, in a true listening of, to the Holy Spirit, and in submission of our wills to the will of the Father. These failed efforts ignored the unity, experience, and accumulated wisdom of the gospel and the church. Because they failed to heed the words of Jesus, apart from me you can do nothing, see John chapter 15 verse 5, they were fruitless and damaged both the unity and evangelical vitality of the church. Germany's synodal path risks leading to precisely such a dead end. 
As your brother bishops, our concerns include but are not limited to the following. One, failing to listen to the Holy Spirit and the gospel, the synodal path's actions, undermine the credibility of church authority, including that of Pope Francis. Christian anthropology, the morality of the flesh, and the reliability of scripture. Two, while they display a patina of religious ideas and vocabulary, the German synodal path documents seem largely inspired not by scripture and tradition, which for the Second Vatican Council are a, quote, single sacred deposit of the word of God, but by sociological analysis and contemporary political, including fleshly ideologies. They look at the church and her mission through the lens of the world, rather than through the lens of the truths revealed in scripture and the church's authoritative tradition. Three, synodal path content also seems to reinterpret and thus diminish the meaning of Christian freedom. For the Christian freedom is the knowledge, the willingness, and the unhampered ability to do what is right. Freedom is not autonomy. Authentic freedom, as the church teaches, is tethered to truth and order to goodness, and ultimately, the attitude. Conscience does not create truth, nor is conscience a matter of personal preference or self-assertion. A properly formed Christian conscience remains subject to the truth about human nature and the norms of righteous living, revealed by God and taught by Christ's church. Jesus is the truth who sets us free. A joy of the gospel, essential to Christian life, as Pope Francis so often stresses, seems utterly absent from synodal path discussions and texts, a telling flaw for an effort that seeks personal ecclesial renewal. Five, the synodal process at nearly every step is the work of experts and committees, bureaucracy-heavy, obsessively critical, and inward-looking. It thus itself reflects a widespread form of church sclerosis and, ironically, becomes anti-evangelical in tone. In its effect, the synodal path displays more submission and obedience to the world and ideologies than to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Six, the synodal path's focus on power in the church suggests a spirit fundamentally at odds with the real nature of Christian life. Ultimately, the church is not merely an institution, but an organic community, not egalitarian, but familial, complementary, and hierarchical, a people sealed together by love of Jesus Christ and love for each other in his name. The reform of structures is not at all the same thing as the conversion of hearts. The encounter with Jesus, as seen in the gospel and in the lives of the saints throughout history, changes hearts and minds brings healing, turns one away from a life of sin and unhappiness, and demonstrates the power of the gospel. The last and most distressingly immediate problem with Germany's synodal path is terribly ironic. By its destructive example, it may lead some bishops, and it will lead many otherwise faithful people, to distrust the very idea of synodality, thus further impeding the church's necessary conversation about fulfilling the mission of converting and sanctifying the world. In a time of confusion, the last thing our community of faith needs is more of the same. As you discern the Lord's will for the church in Germany, be assured of our prayers for you. Signed, Cardinal Francis Arenes, Cardinal Raymond Burke, Cardinal Wilfred Napier, Cardinal George Pell, Archbishop Samuel Aquila, and many, many others. There are some good points in this letter here. Obviously, the German Synodal Way undermines church authority. The bishops are right to make that clear. Instead, as the bishops are correct to state, the German synodal path is placing authority in earthly ideologies and the values of the moment. In focusing on and endorsing these values, the Germans are endorsing the secular authorities and their values, which, given their relationship with the government of Germany, isn't really that surprising. 
The state has far too much influence in the church in that country and elsewhere, and here is a very real consequence of that. The rejection of notions of Christian freedom for the values of the world is also a good point from the bishops, one not often mentioned by commentators. And it's true, the German bishops have embraced the notions of freedom promoted by the secular world. And that is a destructive path that they have taken the German church and, by extension, the rest of the church down. This stuff about the gospel is on its face true, and the gospel has been replaced for them by the earthly wisdom of bureaucracy and secular governance. All of that is true, and the bishops deserve credit for saying this much. But there's also a lot that they didn't say. The word heresy is never once included in the document, which is, to be sure, an odd choice, given that what they are promoting is open heresy. The German synodal path is an attack on the inerrancy of sacred scripture, and not just an omission of the gospel message of liberation from sin. The Bible got it wrong, according to some of the German bishops, and the catechism of the church got it wrong, and the faith in general has gotten it wrong, or so says Cardinal Marx, who famously called on the faith to change and conform itself to the values of the world on some of these topics. There is no negotiating with bishops like this. A fraternal correction is needed as an opening step, but these attitudes reflect an unpleasant truth. The bishops who penned this letter warn of impending schism. Folks, that schism's here already, and it has been here for a long time. It has taken the form of essentially two different faiths occupying the same title and same buildings as each other. Both claim to be Catholic, but are not. This letter was written in the spirit of Benedict XVI, while citing Francis positively, despite his past endorsement of the German Synodal Way and past recent endorsement. The bishops call out the German bishops for focusing on issues of power in a secular sense, and it kind of leaves me wondering if they've ever seen an address given by Francis, since the only things he seems to talk about more than power is rigidity. As for people distrusting synodality, the Catholics who care at all mostly distrust synodality anyway. The vast majority of Catholics, though, are just apathetic to the whole process. Maybe that apathy is something the bishops who signed this document should consider spending some time thinking about the implications of. I could go on and on, but I won't. Instead, I'm going to ask this very basic, simple question of you. What did you think of this? Was this letter the right first step in taking real action? Is something going to follow the fraternal correction that the bishops issued here? I'm reminded of Cardinal Burke, who is one of the signers of this, and the dubia, which you might remember when it was made public, came with a promise of a follow-up if Francis did not respond. He never responded. There never was a follow-up from Cardinal Burke. It's been six years, and again, there's been no follow-up. And that leaves me with a question that we should all be asking. Are the better bishops even capable of taking concrete, real action? What would that look like? Let me know in the comments, please. I'm curious what you think real concrete action would look like, because I know that there will be comments from people saying these are just words. We need real action. So what would real action constitute? What would that look like? Let me know what you think about this in the comments, please. And like and subscribe if you haven't. It really does help. As always, pray for the church. And have a blessed Monday, Thursday, and the rest of your Passion Tide. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.